It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the player prop fantasy football expert, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. And you guys can find us at thebettingpredators.com and pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 7. This is our Money Picks podcast, one where we go through all the player props, DFS, season long. For all of our listeners. Now, guys, we're going to go ahead. We're going to cover all of the games on Sunday, except Sunday night football and Monday night football. Uncle Dave and I, we actually did that podcast today. You guys can find that at bettingpredators.com. You could also get that at Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google, all that. So make sure you guys go ahead and search bettingpredators.com, get all that podcast information. Chris, we're going to go ahead. We're going to start out here with the Washington football team. Uh, they're taking on my Green Bay Packers. Green Bay. Maybe right around minus seven and a half total on this game is 48 and a half. Chris, I'm going to go super chalky on you here. And I'm going to take a guy that I normally never take in a player prop. And that's Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play him over 255 passing yards. Look, Washington has, you know, the worst pass defense in the league uh, right now, statistically. No, if this game comes down to, you know, if Green Bay could put themselves in a game script where they have to go ahead and throw the ball, uh, I believe Rodgers is going to end up with a ton of yards here. I don't believe Green Bay will blow out Washington. I mean, I know my team rather well, and I believe Washington's going to come in here, uh, you know, extremely motivated because the season's kind of on the line right now. They can't lose this game, or more than likely, they're not going to make the playoffs. But if you could put Rodgers in a situation where he has to throw the ball, uh, he's going to do very well. And against the worst passing defense, in the league, I don't see how Rodgers doesn't uh, go ahead and go over his passing total of 255 yards. I'm just going to go ahead and play this one, Chris. I know it's square. I never play my guy. You know that. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do that this week. I think Rodgers has a really big game this week. So I'm going to go ahead and play him over 255 passing yards. That's what I'm going to do for that game. What do you got? I like that play. That's definitely on my list too. I haven't made an official play on it yet, but the numbers add up and you add to the fact that Washington has one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Uh, They have a number 31 ranked out of 32 teams in terms of their coverage grade by PFF. Um, Just overall, I don't see how this Washington defense can really take advantage of Green Bay other than the fact that they have a good run defense. Green Bay's run uh, run blocking is ranked near the bottom of the league, but they're going to look to take advantage of that matchup and in regards to passing the ball through the air. So I do like that play on Rodgers over his passing yards. Right now the projections have him about 265 to 270. The line, as you mentioned, 255 and a half at DraftKings right now, minus 115. So that's definitely a solid play there. Um, I don't think game script should get too out of hand to where this is something Rodgers can get within, you know, two and a half, three quarters, even if the Green Bay Packers wind up running up the score on the Washington football team. Um, A couple guys that I have my eye on here, surprisingly, Antonio Gibson, uh, I'm not playing any props on him, but he's going to lead off my handicap on this one is that he left the game twice last week in week six with injuries. He it's been noted that he's playing with a stress fracture in his shin. He went for an MRI on Monday. um, And surprisingly, he was back at practice today. I mean, I'm happy about that because I've got him on a few of my uh, fantasy football teams. I got him in a dynasty league where I rely on him almost every week as a starter, but I'm a little worried about using him this week because uh, the re-injury possibility is definitely a factor there. Um, And and just in the fact of being involved in the receiving game as a running back in fantasy, you need those catches in PPR scoring formats. And the fact is that Gibson now in consecutive weeks, we've seen his routes go all the way down to 30%. He's only running routes on 30% of dropbacks. So either being kept in there to block or just taking off the field when, when they're dropping back to pass. Now, J.D. McKissick, on the other hand, his snaps have gone up in multiple games up to 61%. So you're talking about a third down back now getting 60-plus percent of the snaps on offense, and now his routes have gone up to 60% as well. So Gibson's coming into this game. He's going to be far from 100%, even if he does get the green light to play. And I see Washington falling behind in this game. And you add to the fact that over the last year and a half now, we you combine last year – with the first six weeks of this season, Green Bay ranks in the bottom of the list in the league in terms of allowing receiving production to opposing running backs. So there are no props on the board for this yet. You can actually, you know, they have a line for Gibson receiving at 10 and a half. They don't have anything yet for McKissick. I, I, I'm definitely looking forward 
to playing a couple of overs on the lines on McKissick, I don't know how high they're going to come out. I mean, this guy is coming off a game where he had 10 targets last week, eight catches for 65 yards. And lastly, I'll mention that Terry McLaurin, he was questionable all last week, actually was downgraded to questionable late in the week with a hamstring injury. And he was out there pretty much in a full-time role in week six, almost came down with a big catch, but had a pretty down day in terms of his overall production in the box score. If he if he's still dealing even just at 70-80% of what he normally is, you add to the fact that Gibson's injury, add to the fact that Washington's going to be on the road, touchdown plus underdogs, I think McKissick could lead the team in targets again. So I'm going to be eyeing those when those props get released. And then also, I'm going to go right back to the well. We talked about this last week. I had a double dip prop on Ricky Seals-Jones receptions and receiving yards. Um, I believe the receptions hit in the first half and the receiving yards hit very early uh, in, in the third quarter. So Ricky Seals-Jones right now, you can get him at plus money, plus 107 at Pinnacle uh, for 40 and a half yards over. He's now hit this in back-to-back games, had 58 yards last week. Another plus matchup, Green Bay ranking in the bottom half of the league in terms of production allowed to opposing tight ends. So all those goes to say, Ricky Seals-Jones, like he's the definition of a full-time player. He ran a route last week on 93% of dropbacks. So that's where I'm looking Gibson banged up, McLaurin banged up, Washington trailing, a lot of dropbacks, a lot of extra passing. I'm going to J.D. McKissick, and I'm going to Ricky Seals-Jones. Those are the two guys I'll be playing in this game. All right, I like it, Chris. Can't go ahead and argue anything against those. Uh, Let's jump over to our next game here. We have the New England Patriots. They're going to go ahead. They're going to take on the New York Jets. Patriots going to be around minus 6.5 for this game. We have a total of 43. Chris, I'm going to go square ball chalk on you again here. Not sure if you agree with this one, but – I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Damian Harris over 64 and a half rushing yards. Uh, this one's simple for me. The Patriots could end up getting margin and, you know, relying on the rushing game, you know, late in the game. And I think that that's certainly uh, one thing that we can go ahead and count on. The Patriots, they just don't lose to the Jets. I think they beat that team like 11 games in a row. And the Jets rush defense, it's not terrible. I'll go ahead. I'll give them that. I'll say it's about average. But the Patriots, you know, from what I've seen, it's just they're not letting Mac Jones go out there and just and let it rip. So, uh, Harris, the first game he played these guys, he had 16 touches, 62 yards, but that was the first game. And that was, you know, Mac Jones, Harris on the field together in their first game together. Um, actually, I think it was their second game together. So I'm expecting maybe a little bit more of an uptick here from Harris. Last week, he had a really good game. Uh, they put up 29 points in that game against Dallas. He had 103 yards on 18 touches. I feel he'll probably be somewhere in that area again, maybe 16, 17, 18 touches but I believe 64 and a half, just a little bit too low here for Damian Harris. So uh, I'll go ahead, Chris. I'll play him over 64 and a half rushing yards. What do you got? Well, last week we hit our Nelson Aguilar prop. We gave that out in our Discord channel for our premium subscribers for betting predators. We had under 39 and a half receiving yards, wound up with one catch for 27 yards on the day. Now the line has been lowered to 34 and a half. Um, I still, I still lean that way. I, I got to dig a little more into the numbers, but at plus 105 at under 34 and a half, his average right now projection is around 28, 29. And you nailed it in terms of the, the, the New England Patriots. They're not letting Mac Jones, you know, rip and run and throw it down the field very much. This projects for one of our slowest, slowest games on the slate in terms of the research we do behind the scenes, looking at overall snap counts, uh, play volume, pace of offenses, these are two of the slowest offenses in the league going against each other. Uh, this is a rematch, Sleepy. I'll bring this up real quick to go a little bit more into the snaps and pace. Uh, week two, they played each other. When these two teams played, they produced 31 total points between the two of them. Zach Wilson had four interceptions. That was more than the two quarterbacks combined for 10-plus yard completions. So think about that. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson had three combined completions of 10 plus yards and Wilson at four interceptions. So, you know, coming off the bye with the jets, maybe there's a little room for improvement, but at the same time, the Patriots, you know, coming off their loss, I, I don't see how Bill Belichick doesn't go back to his roots and figure out how to just shut down and make life miserable for, for Zach Wilson was Zach Wilson and this jets offense. So that's the only thing from keeping me honestly, from wanting to make a play on the jets. I don't, I don't feel like the Patriots should be, seven point favorites in this matchup especially when you look here the fact that the Jets have a a top eight graded pass rush by PFF New England's pass blocking is in the bottom half of the league at number 21 overall so we're seeing a notable advantage 
for the Jets' pass rush over the New England offensive line. And then we're also seeing a, a notable advantage for the Jets in terms of having an average pass-blocking offensive line. And the New England Patriots are near dead last in the league in their pass rush. So those two advantages lean to me for me to look for me to look to take the Jets as underdogs in this game, if you could find a seven and a half or even at, at plus seven, I, I do lean that way right now. Uh, prop wise, I, I'm, I'm really just inclined to take unders in this game. I don't hate your play of Damian Harris. As long as the reports say that it's looking like he's good to go in this matchup, I, I think we're pretty safe playing the over on his rushing attempts and his rushing yards. Uh, Dan Rivera had a really great statistic he threw in our discord earlier this week about when you look at games that go under the total or just low total games in general, the only two props that consistently hit over in terms of like 55% or more overs in an under game for props uh, are the rushing attempts and the rushing yards. And it makes sense. Like when two teams are grinding it out, you're going to see more opportunities and carries given handoffs to the running backs to drain the clock. So if we do expect this to be a low scoring game, like we do right now, I mean, the, the total is just 42 and a half. Uh, you know, that would lead me. The only overs I would play would be possibly to Damian Harris or maybe even to Michael Carter on the side of the Jets. You know, going into the Jets by Michael Carter had seen consecutive week increases in his snaps up to more than 50 percent of the snaps. He's now running a route on more than 41 percent of dropbacks. So I do like the increased usage we saw out of Michael Carter. I would expect that could, to continue uh, coming off the bye. And even Damian Harris being banged up last week, we saw his rushing attempt share go up in that offense for the Patriots to 67%. Um, last thing I'll mention here, Sleepy, is Ramon J. Stevenson. Uh, I am interested in looking at some of his prop overs in the receiving game, although I don't see anything available right now. He's had consecutive week increases in his routes, up to 38% target share up to 16% and he's been he was targeted last week on 30% of his routes looks like he's starting to become the James White replacement in that offense and that Brandon Bolden was more of like a patchwork fix more of a special teams player so I'm excited about Stevenson's role growing in the passing game uh, in that offense and then Hunter Henry as well he's emerged as like basically the 1A 1B to Jacoby Myers in that offense there I think the line on Hunter Henry is a little bit too low at 37 and a half, although he's a, a low a dot type of player. So uh, that's where I'm looking right now is Hunter. I like Hunter Henry. He kind of be the only place I would go for an over on the receiving side for the Patriots. But overall, I just hesitate to play overs given the possible low scoring affair between these, between these two teams here in week seven. All right. Solid stuff on that one. Let's jump over to your Cincinnati Bengals here, Chris. They're going to be on the road here. They're going to play Baltimore, Baltimore right now, minus six. We have a total of 46 and a half. Last week, uh, I went ahead. I was all over Mark Andrews. That one cashed. I'm going right back to it again, Chris. I don't see why not. Reason being, I believe the Bengals will be far more competitive than what the Chargers were last week. Baltimore absolutely ran the Chargers right out of their stadium, and Andrews still got there. And his total right now, 59 and a half. So to me, it's not a, it's not really a, a hard handicap for me, Chris. Uh, he's seen five or more catches in, I believe it was like the last five games, and he's gone over this total of 59 and a half, I believe, in four straight. So I'm, I'm playing it over again. Uh, I like what I see right now from Lamar Jackson, especially throwing the ball, and he's getting, you know, he's getting Andrews involved in the passing game as much as possible. I mean, uh, you got Hollywood Brown and you got you got Andrews. I mean, they're your, you know, 1A, 1B guys. They're, they're your most reliable. Why not just go ahead and play this prop again? And I feel like it probably should be somewhere around 65, 67. So I feel like I'm getting value with the guy that I really believe will end up getting the football. So I'm going to do it again. I'm taking Andrews over 59 and a half receiving yards. What do you think? I don't hate that play. I mean, Andrews right now is the number one tight end in all fantasy. He had that big game two weeks ago on Monday Night Football against the Colts. And he's the top, he's the highest paid tight end in the league. So, you know, you, you're going to believe in what the Ravens are investing in and Mark Andrews as a player and as a talent. And I wholeheartedly agree on the fact that Lamar Jackson's a completely different passer this year than he's been in his entire career. Kudos to him. And we had a little debate last week on our week six preview pod with me, you, Sleepy, and Steve, where I like Jackson passing yards over. Now, the Ravens wind up winning that game by like 30 plus points. If that was any what any sort of competitive game, we would have seen Lamar Jackson go over the passing yards. Sometimes the game script get the best of you when it comes to player props. I didn't wind up giving that out as an official play. 
it was just a lean for me, but I do believe that could create some value on us here. If you think the Bengals can push the Ravens to a competitive back and forth game, then you might want to look to take the over on Lamar Jackson, 230 and a half on FanDuel right now. It's not something I'm playing uh, just yet, but it's something I've had my eye on from the start of the week. Actually, Sleepy, the one play that it's kind of jumping off the most of me on the board right now uh, would be uh, Joe Mixon. I, I think looking at him in terms of running the football against this Ravens team, I, I think this is going to be somewhat of a competitive matchup here between these two teams. And when you look at what Joe Mixon has done, I mean, last week wound up rebounding, looked almost 100% in terms of what he was able to do on offense. You can get over 56 and a half rushing yards for Joe Mixon at minus 115 at multiple shops right now. Um, other than the Green Bay game in which he played like half the snaps and like split work with Samaji Pirine, Mixon's had at least 67 rushing yards in all of his games this season. That's basically five out of five if you throw out that Green Bay game. He's had at least 90 yards rushing in three out of those five games where he was healthy. So I'm looking at Mixon here. Samaje Pirine coming off the COVID list. I don't expect him to be involved as long as Mixon is healthy, maybe a carry or two here or there. Uh, projections have Mixon for like the low 70s in rushing right now. Uh, I, I like Joe Mixon over 56 and a half. I would probably play that up to at least 60. Uh, even if this game's going to be a little more grinded out, division rivalry type of matchup, I still think that Mixon gets it done. Uh, you know, we have a decent total for this game at 47. I, I, I would lean under that total personally, but I still think you're going to see a decent amount of production from the stars in terms of fantasy for this game. So um, Joe Mixon for me is my favorite play uh, in that game. And then overall, I would just have to look in terms of unders for maybe Burrow. Uh, I don't know if Burrow is going to be needing to throw that much in this game. The Ravens like to run a lot. The Bengals have shown they like to run a lot as well. We could see that really make time tick off the clock faster than your normal game here. So I'm hesitant to play any of the passing overs for the Bengals because of that. Although I do agree with you, Andrews is like locked into his role. Uh, maybe Marquise Brown takes a little bit of a hit because of Rashad Bateman coming back into the lineup. But I think Andrews role is secure in that offense. So I don't hate that play either, but that's kind of my overall thoughts right now in this game. Yeah. That mix and one man, as you were talking, I, I like that a lot. And here's the reason why Baltimore's had, you know, some really tough games, you know, over like the first four or five weeks, it's, you know, double overtime games, things like that. And they played good teams and then they go out and they absolutely demolish the chargers. And I'm just like, all right, this team has to come down to earth. I thought they were going to come down to earth last week, take a deep breath. And I, I believe that this is the week that they're going to do it. And that's why I actually like the Bengals getting the points in this game. But, you know, the fact that you like Mexican over 56 and a half, I mean, that does seem low to me. Uh, as you mentioned, Miss, you know, somewhere around 70 seems right. Um, and if that's your favorite one, uh, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I, I would play that right along with you. You talked me into that. Uh, I do like that as well. Uh, so I'm glad you, you brought that up and that's your favorite because I'll, I'll play that with you. Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into – uh, why don't we go ahead and do the Kansas City game and the Titans game? I like the Titans, Chris. I don't know if, if a lot of other people do, but I do like them here. And there, there's not a whole lot of props out that, that I like in this particular game. But I do like Daryl Williams to go ahead and score a touchdown. And I'm going to go down. I'm going to play that on the yes at minus 120. I don't know how you can't make this bet. You know, the total on this game is insane. I mean, it's lined at 57 and a half. You know, Williams last week had 21 touches. He had two touchdowns, and I, I think we're getting name value here with him because he's not a big name. It's a, he's not recognized like, you know, a Derrick Henry, which, you know, if you look at his touchdown prop right now, Chris, it's minus 280 to go ahead and score a touchdown. You know, Mahomes alone, uh, I, I believe that the, he'll put pressure on the defense, uh, especially the Titans defense in the red zone, and, and that's just, you know, it takes one flag, and, uh, you know, we're going to end up at the one-yard line with Darrell Williams probably punching it in. But I'm guessing we might get a few shots from the one-yard line uh, just because of the amount of stress that Tyree Kill, Kelsey, you know, that, that McCole Hardman are going to put on this defense. I think we'll see some flags down in that area. But I also think that's going to help open up some running lanes. So uh, if I could get 21 touches again from Williams, you know, with a guy like Mahomes chucking the ball into the end zone, you know, with, with all those guys, I could really see Tennessee probably loosening up, you know, their rush defense, which is actually very good but they have to concentrate on the guys that are going to hurt them most. And that's Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes, and Hardman. So uh, I'll play Daryl Williams to go ahead and get himself in the end zone here, Chris, at minus 120. What do you got for that game? Man, I mean, Derrick Henry, like, 
don't take this as a knock on Derrick Henry, but if I ever have a chance to play a rushing receiving prop under that's close to 150, I'm just almost going to blindly bet it. I'm going to take the under on Derrick Henry, 147 and a half rushing and receiving yards. I'll, I'll take the under there, minus 110 on Caesars right now, minus 115 on DraftKings. If the Chiefs can jump out to any sort of a lead early against the Titans defense that played above their heads on prime time at home, coming off a big division win game, this could be a little bit of a letdown spot for Tennessee. And because of that, I think the Chiefs can at least keep Derrick Henry from getting to 150 combined rushing receiving yards. So look, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Derrick Henry go for 200. I mean, the guy's an anomaly, but more often than not, when you bet unders on lines that are inflated to that degree, you're going to win your bets more often than not. So I'm taking the under there on Derrick Derrick Henry rushing receiving. That's a play we already gave out to our subscribers in the discord earlier today. Uh, he hasn't really been involved as a receiver as well. So, and that's where you see Darrington Evans is coming back from IR this week. McNichols is going to be a little bit healthier. He was banged up last week. And we've seen the, the receiving production pretty much go away over the last couple of weeks for Tennessee as well. So that that's basically telling you that he's got to get 147 rushing yards more, more than likely to beat this prop, which I'm more than happy betting the under on in that case, especially coming off a short week for the Titans here. Um, other than that, like when I'm looking at – guys on the Chiefs that you're seeing an increase in production for is I'm going to wait and see what the verdict is on Tyreek Hill. He dealt with a quad injury last week. He only played, uh, I believe, about 60% of the snaps, saw a, a lowered air yards total in terms of his share in that offense than he usually sees. Obviously, he still had a hugely productive day, uh, but it's, it's possible. You know, he's he's obviously not going to come into this game 100%, so I'm interested to see where he winds up on the injury report towards the end of the week, most likely on Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, what are they going to be, what's going to be the final verdict there for him? McCole Hardman saw um, a close to a season high in his average at the target, 13.2. So they're starting to use Hardman more down the field as opposed to earlier in the season where they were using him like right near the line of scrimmage as like a gadgety type of slot receiver. So if we get any news that Hardman's going to be on, I mean, that Hill's going to be any type of snap count, uh, any type of just limitation overall in this game, then I would be interested to play McCall Hardman over on his receiving yards. And that's a big reason why we don't see that on the board right now is because we're kind of waiting to see, waiting to see how all this injury information uh, winds up shaking out. So just going back to Henry overall, I mean, projections have him for roughly 15 receiving yards and 115 rushing yards. I mean, that, that's a lot. So, you know, to say a guy is going to get a, over 126 rushing yards, I, I think you just got to kind of keep that in mind of like this guy's projected for – you know, 129 combined rushing receiving and the line is 147. So anytime I see that big of a gap in a receiving rushing or rushing receiving prop, I'm almost always going to try to take the under there. So other than that, like that's kind of my overall take on this game. Uh, And McCole Hardman's a a great price tag on DFS as as a cash game play. Uh, You know, I think he's going to be high owned in tournaments because of it. He's, I think he's like 4,300 or something like that this week, but uh, you know, we're projecting him for at least like five, six targets. And if, if Tyree Kill gets ruled out by any chance or is limited, like I said, then you could see Hardman wind up getting another double-digit target game like he had just two weeks ago. So for 4,300 on DraftKings, I almost have to lock him into my cash game lineup regardless. Um, but, yeah, that's that, that's that's kind of overall, uh, you know, right now how I'm feeling about this matchup. Yeah, that Derrick Henry total is absolutely insane. I mean, I was talking to Steve the other day, and he was like, Sleepy, did you happen to see the total on him? I'm like, no. He's like, 125 yards. I'm like, that's nuts. But I guess it makes sense, though, because in in my mind, I think Henry's do, trying to do one thing. I think he's going out there and he's going to try to break the all-time uh, single-season rushing touchdowns, which I believe is held by LaDainian Tomlinson at 28. And I believe he's going to go out and try to break Eric Eric Dickerson's uh, you know all-time season rushing yardage. And I think projections have him uh, pretty damn close to Tomlinson. I think one touchdown off, and that's with an 18-game season now. And then I believe it was only like 17 yards off of off of Dickerson. So I think Henry's going for those, uh, you know, going for those records. But there are a bunch of things here in, in your favor, Chris. One, the line's absolutely insane. Um, will Kansas City sell out to stop him? I think they will. I think they're going to try to just say, you know what? If anybody's going to beat us, let Ryan Tannehill try to beat us. We're not going to let Derrick Henry beat us. Once he gets downhill, Chris, and if he does get an opening, we saw what he did the other night. If he gets daylight, 
that dude is a lot faster than than a lot of people think. Um, people just can't catch him. And if it's one on one with him and a damn safety, um, he more than likely he's going to you know steamroll that guy. I think that's one thing that's in your favor. And another thing I think that's in your favor is the fact that you know this is Kansas City. We know what they can do on offense. They could go out there and put up 30, 35, 40 points in a game, and then you're stuck with Tannehill having to throw the ball, and you're not going to get the receiving yards you know, from, from Henry in this one. You're not going to get the rushing from him either. And you know Tennessee's coming off of a big win, and I believe that there is a potential for a letdown, but I do have them as maybe one of the most motivated teams this week because after you beat Buffalo, if you could beat Kansas City, um, you know, that that's going to supercharge, you know, your entire team and supercharge the season. But um, I, I, it's not that I don't like that play, Chris. It's just I worry about how good he is and the fact that he's going for the records. But there are far more things in your favor to go ahead from keep him from doing that. I think just game script wise and X's and O's wise, you know, from uh, things that could happen, you know, with the Chiefs defense and what they decide to do. There's no way you let him run wild. It just it doesn't make any sense. A defensive coordinator should be fired, you know, if they're back there trying to stop uh, the receiving core versus, you know, trying to stop Henry because Henry's moving the chains. Yeah, Sleepy. And let me just add that, like, I don't like this play either. Like, you think I like betting against Derrick Henry? You just sometimes have to play the numbers for what they are. And that's what that's what I'm playing in this situation. And this, is, this is not the best sample to use, but you look back to 2019 – Derrick Henry was going into the AFC championship coming off two games where he had 182 yards and 195 yards, like ju- just insanity. Uh, played the Chiefs in the AFC title game, had 19 carries for 69 yards. So this defense has stopped him in the past. Last week, uh, last year in the regular season, he had a great game against them. But with everything you know, just considered, when you see a line inflated that high, uh, if anything, I-, I just would not recommend playing the over and not overreacting. Because when we talk about like, People know, like, you you put out your Sheeps play on Twitter and stuff like that. We understand how to, like, say what's the square play when it comes to, you know, just overall size and totals. But the square play when it comes to player props is, is betting overs on, on extremely high inflated totals like this. And I'm not saying that there's a 100% chance that this prop's going to go under, but that's where, that's where my logic and process goes to something like this. It's something I've been trying to do a lot more this year is – be willing to bet those unders and kind of hold your nose because more often than not, unders are going to hit more than they do uh, more than overs do historically. So that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. I think the big reason why that number is so high, Chris, is because of a Kansas city rush defense. Uh, and also because of Henry, you know, his last result uh, was really good, but you know, I would be more with you than I would against you. And as I said, there, there's more things in your favor um, that, than not. So um, that's an interesting game. But I do like Tennessee in that one, getting the points. Let's jump over to Carolina and the Giants. The Giants are going to be a home underdog here, plus two and a half. We have a total of 43. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and make one of my prop plays that I that I made a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it did not cash, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play the New York Giants in this one to go ahead and have the longest field goal in this game. And you guys could get that at even money. The reason why, you know, the Giants are tied third right now in field goal attempts. And from the 50 yards or more, uh, right now the Giants kicker is four out of five. So, you know, he's, he's hitting 80% from 50 yards plus. The Giants, you know, they're not afraid to go ahead and trot, uh, trot the kicker out there, you know, if they're within 45 yards. But the Panthers, they're one and three from 50 yards, and that's 33%. And the Panthers also have two less attempts. So uh, I think the Giants actually should be favored with this particular prop. And they're not. Uh, actually, Carolina's favored in this one slightly at minus 105. So uh, statistically, it's telling me that the Giants should be favored. And the fact that they're not, I'm going to go ahead and bet that. And the stats back up uh, that the Giants are the better team from kicking from distance. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play that, Chris. That's all I got for that game. Just too many damn question marks with the Giants. You know, they got way too many injuries. And then there's going to be a lot of square plays taken with Carolina that I, I don't like a lot of the lines that I saw. So that's what I'm going to do for that. And what do you got? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a really low total here, 42 and a half. Um, I don't know. Look, I'm not a fan of Sam Darnold. Neither are you, you know, we've, we've been kind of clear on that over the last two years doing, doing this podcast together. But I think that the, there might be a little bit of an overreaction to Sam Darnold and now he's going to face a really good, uh, you know, in, in terms of matchup, he's in a really nice spot for his matchup going against a Giants defense that 
pretty much scares no one at this point. So I, I, I do think it's justified that Carolina's minus three, but I mean, Carolina's minus three on the road. And especially if you look at the cluster injuries for the Giants, I mean, they lost their best offensive lineman in Thomas last week. Uh, right now, Tony's not playing. Galladay's not playing. Barkley's not playing. Slayton's questionable to play. Even Evan Ingram was downgraded to questionable this week. So he's not even sure to play yet. So you want to look at Sterling Shepard overall. I mean, he's like the alpha number one receiver, especially with no Tony and no Galladay here. And if you get no, in- no Ingram, then it's just like a slam dunk type of play. So right now you're not going to get those lines, as you said, Sleepy, but you got to look at Sterling Shepard in the slot over receptions. I, I don't know how high it's going to come out. I'm going to guess it's going to come out like maybe, I don't know, maybe six and a half, something like that. But I still think, you know, at, at decent juice, as long as you're not paying like minus 120, I still think that would be a, a decent bet, especially if you're assuming that this is going to be a back and forth game that I don't think the Giants are just going to all of a sudden put their foot on the Carolina's throat and just run the, you know, run the ball the rest of the game and jump out to a big lead here. So, I mean, Shepard's coming off a game where he had 14 targets and 10 catches in his first game back. His other two games before, besides when he got hurt, he had 19 targets, 16 catches. So he has 26 catches in three healthy, in three healthy games. You do the math. That's over eight catches a game. I would be really surprised if the receptions line came out at seven and a half. I think it's going to come out at six and a half. I think it's something you want to keep your eye on to jump out and play that number over on. Um, other than that, you know, we had the comments from Matt Rule about them wanting to come out and like establish the run, but you know, how much will they do that? I don't know. I think they also want to get Darnold back going again in a good matchup. You know, they could take advantage of that. So I see a guy like DJ Moore. You know, he had a bunch of drops last week. He ran a route on ninety eight percent of dropbacks. So you don't really, you don't even see that. Elite wide receivers they're running routes on like ninety percent of dropback. This this dude literally is never leaving the field. And now he's going up against the 26th graded coverage unit in terms of the Giants secondary, according to PFF. So I like what I see in terms of that matchup there. Uh, and you know, I, I think this is where we look to attack. I think Darnold could be a sneaky uh, DFS play quarterback that a lot of people are going to be off on after what he's done the last few weeks. But again, the matchup is there. He's getting design rush attempts. He's still a threat to score rushing touchdowns near the goal line. So I do... I'm going to stream him in one of my leagues where I have Josh Allen on a bye, and I'm probably going to stream him over guys like Tua and Carson Wentz because I think the overall upside is there and the matchup is there. So that's my overall thoughts on here. Really looking forward to playing the over on Sterling Shepard. And then, you know, I, I, I said on the podcast last week I like Robbie Anderson over, and he had 11 targets, and we lost on that prop. But uh, anytime a guy you play a guy over 40 receiving yards and he gets 11 targets, I mean – I don't care if the ticket loss, like you, you won that bet. Like you won that bet if a guy you bet over 40 receiving yards gets 11 targets. So there's a reason why Robbie Anderson, he's coming off a down game. His receiving prop line has gone up five yards to 45 and a half. I still do like him over 45 and a half. They're making a clear effort to get this guy involved, involved in the receiving game. And I don't think they're just going to go away from him being that he's their number one highest paid receiver on the team. And he had a couple drops. Well, DJ Moore had a couple drops too. So I think they're going to go back to Anderson. You can get one catch from Anderson down the field against a bad secondary like the Giants, and it, this could be a prop that cashes early. So that's my overall thoughts there, looking to attack the low line from Anderson, and then my favorite play being Shepard whenever the line comes out in his receptions. You know, Chris, I don't hate the Darnold one either, and you know I'm not a big fan of him. But when you have wide receivers that are dropping the ball, more than likely the next week, they're going to be super locked in. They're going to go out there, and they're going to try to catch every damn thing that's thrown to them. And that's part of the problem. That's one of the reasons why the Robbie Anderson ticket didn't cash is because Darnold's not exactly what I guess we could just say accurate. Uh, When a guy gets 11 targets, you would assume he's going to catch at least, you know, five, six, seven balls out of those 11. And it's just Darnold's just not accurate. One of the plays I was looking at, Chris, and I was looking for it and I couldn't find it, was a Daniel Jones rushing prop. I don't know if you see that anywhere, but I looked for it. I didn't see it on DraftKings. But my, my thinking was this, is that, you know, with all the wide receivers that are out, you know, with Saquon banged up, that Jones is probably going to have some scripted runs in here. Uh, there's probably going to be wide receivers that are running wrong routes that are going to be ended up covered, uh, you know, for this particular game. And I could see Jones, you know, maybe ripping off one of those big runs again. But I do believe if there's a maybe a rushing prop somewhere, you know, 18, 19, 20 yards, uh, I would look to maybe go ahead and play that over. That was just something that I was looking at. That was a thought that I have. 
But again, I, I haven't seen, you know, that particular prop put out anywhere. But if you do find one or if you find a number, please go ahead and let me know. Uh, let's jump over to Atlanta and Miami. I have a prop in this one, Chris, that I like, and, and I'm not sure if you agree with me, but uh, Atlanta right now, they're two and a half point favorites. We have a total of 48. Look, I'm looking for everything that I can find on Tua. Uh, I'm playing Tua's passing yards over 252. I'm playing his touchdowns over one and a half. Uh, I like his completions, whatever that is, over. I like his attempts, whatever that is. I like that over. And here's the reason. You know, they're talking about Deshaun Watson going into Miami. Well, Miami needs to sell Tua. He had a really good game last week. He had 329 yards. I think he had a touchdown or two in that game. That was probably Tua's, like, best game that he's had so far in his career. Don't be surprised if he surpasses those numbers in this particular game. Atlanta, uh, we know their defense isn't good. And if you're going to go ahead and maybe trade this guy away and you're trying to get as much as you possibly can, just let him go out there and let it rip. Miami really doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to lose at this point, Chris. They're 1-5 in five on the season. So let him go out there and do his thing. If they're trying to get Watson, you have to go ahead and you have to showcase Tua. And if Tua coming off of a good game, he's going to be confident. So he's going to feel like, hey, I can make a lot of throws. And if these guys want to get rid of me, well, I need to go ahead and, and, and make sure that I look good you know, for the next team on whoever I go to so I can go ahead and, and, and remain a starter in this league because uh, I don't know what you think about Tua, Chris, but I'm not high on him. I think he's a... Uh, you know, just another Sam Darnold to me. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Tua over the passing, over the touchdowns. If I can find the completions and the attempts uh, within the next day, and I feel that they're pretty reasonable. And, I mean, he threw the ball 47 times last week. So uh, anywhere in that 25-26 completion area, uh, maybe I'm, I'm guessing he's probably going to be somewhere around 22. But I'm going to go out and I'm going to play him over. I'm just going all in on him. I'm probably going to do one of those. Uh, same game parlays on two or two. And if I could plug in all that stuff together, great. I'm going to do it. But that's all I'm doing for that game. I'm just heavily invested on two of there, Chris. What do you think about that one? I agree. I think the points are valid, especially if they're going to be looking to shop this guy around. Uh, I put up a poll that is like, who would be the likeliest team to trade for Tua other than the Texans? And the, the one that got the most votes by far was the Washington football team. Uh, I think I threw up Philadelphia on that list. I put Detroit on there. I put Denver on there. Um, so it was interesting to see that people thought Washington would want to trade for him. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, it's it's possible that they trade Tua, and it's not for Deshaun Watson. So we'll see what happens there. But the fact is, is that Tua came out and threw the ball 47 times. I think at halftime of that London game, he had like 29 or 30 pass attempts in the first half. So that's the prop I've had circled. I've had circled ever since week six ended was Tua over passing attempts, even if it's like over – 35 and a half in, in the high 30s. I'd still be willing to play that over. I agree with you there. Uh, I like the passing yards over right now. You can get over 251 and a half at BetMGM minus 115. Uh, he had 329 yards last week against the Jaguars, and the Falcons secondary isn't anything that scares us here. So I, I do like that play, being that that's the only one that's available for us to bet on right now. Um, so, and then another thing I want to mention about Miami is that if you think about pass-happy teams, like the Buccaneers, like throwing at a very high rate, uh, no other team in the NFL right now through six weeks, I was surprised to see this stat, is more pass-heavy than the Dolphins. And you have to keep in mind, that's even with them having Jacoby Brissett under center. And this is in every situation. When I, You've heard me say in the past, like neutral situations, like that's basically uh, taking a team's passing rate and like factoring out when they're up by a lot and factoring out when they're down by a lot, like neutral scenarios where the score is within seven points. Uh, so they have the second highest situation neutral passing rate. When a game is within seven points, they are throwing at a 67% rate. They're going to get Devontae Parker back for this game, who Tua has a history with as well. And their offense is operating at the eighth, fast, eighth fastest pace in the NFL here too. So all these reasons go to say, then you add in the situational context of them possibly wanting to shop Tua, maybe Tua having the motivation to shop himself so he gets a longer leash, whatever new destination he winds up in, or just gets a longer leash in Miami for that matter. So um, Tua was the sixth six best graded passer in week six by PFF, which is a good sign. Jacoby Brissett was the 20th graded passer while he was filling in for Tua. So 
Every situation, whether the Dolphins are leading, close game, trailing, they're throwing at an above average rate. So for now, I agree with you 100%. 100% here. I'll take the over on two as yards. Let's wait for the completions and the attempts. I really think the attempts would be my favorite of the three, but I don't hate throwing a half unit down on all three of these props and having a, a total of one and a half units exposure on Tua because I think all those are correlated at the end of the day. All right, good stuff. I'm glad you agree with me on that, Chris. It makes me feel pretty damn good. Uh, let's jump over to our next game here. Uh, we have Detroit and we have the Rams. Rams going to be laying a boatload here, Chris. Minus 15 and a half, a total of 51. Look, I'm going to tell you guys, I like the Rams in this one. I think they put up a boatload of points. I think they're in the 40s here for sure. And I'm going to make it simple. I'm, I'm taking Matt Stafford over 288 passing yards. And I believe that the Rams want to go ahead and run the score up. And it's not like uh, it has anything to do with Detroit, but I believe it has a little bit to do with Goff. Uh, they're going to make a point to say, look, these guys are now heads up on the same field. Uh, you guys could see them in TV. And here's the reason why we got rid of Goff. But I also believe the Rams want to go ahead and they want to put the rest of the league on notice in a sense, too, that, you know, that they're a good team, that they're a team that people need to watch out for. So I'm looking at the player prop stuff. I'm looking at Cup Chris. He's lined at like 96. Woods is in there at like 60. They got Higby on there. Uh, I was looking for Jefferson. I didn't see him, but there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of yardage being spread out uh, throughout the wide receiver and the running back props, you know, for the receiving. So I'm just going to go ahead and make it easy. I'm playing Stafford over 288. I believe that he flirts with 400 yards in this game. I think we just see Stafford go out and throw the ball all game long, often, and, and it's just – I think this game gets very ugly. I could see this being like a 43-7, to 43-10 type of game. Uh, I think the Rams get in the 40 points. I would play their team total over two. Uh, and I know it's not its not one of the things that, that pros do is lay 15, lay 16 points, you know, laying two touchdowns. Uh, long term, that's not going to be, you know, a recipe for success. But I do believe that the Rams do have motivation to go out there and showcase their, you know, their quarterback against the, the guy that they got rid of. And I do believe that the Rams want to have a good, happy feel win, you know, where everybody's involved. Everybody gets their touches. Everybody's happy. You know, we're not hearing about, you know, guys like Robert Woods are complaining that they didn't get touches. I think everybody in this game, they're looking at, you know, eight, nine targets each and, and, and Stafford throws the ball 45 times in the game, either whether they're up you know, 35 to three or whatever, they're, they're going to be throwing all game long. So Stafford over 288 passing yards for me. Uh, I'm all over that one. What do you think about that game, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. And it's funny that I heard them bring up on the Thursday night football broadcast where it's like, it's not a revenge game for Stafford because Stafford loves Detroit. Like he left on good terms for the most part. It's a revenge game for Jared Goff going against the team that shipped him out of town. But how much does that really factor in? I still think I'm in agreement with you that Stafford's going to want to show out. I, I think that Sean McVay is going to want to show off Stafford in this game and say, hey, look, like I'm the one that made this move here and switch quarterbacks. And, and it's going to be a the, really a good show, a good reflection on McVay's decision-making at that level more than anything. So the two props that I do like Sleepy uh, are his completions and attempts over. Right now you can get over 32 and a half attempts. You have to pay a little bit of juice there, minus 130. Um, I would probably look to see where I could save the most big overall. I'm trying to see what book has the best line for Stafford. Um, yeah, it's it's minus 130 across the board right now. You can get his completions actually, which I, I actually do like this one more. I'm glad we're kind of walking through this here. I don't want to pay minus 130. What I will do is I will bet on Stafford to be extremely efficient and complete passes at a high rate, uh, plus 100 you can get at BetMGM or Caesars on Stafford over 23.5 completions against one of the worst-graded secondaries in the NFL in the Detroit Lions. We saw Joe Burrow carve them up last week. I think Stafford will do the same thing here, being at home against his old team. Um, the other prop that I like, Sleepy, in regards to just this being that personal type of matchup um, – you know, I liked a few weeks back when the when the Bucks played the Patriots. I, I thought Tom Brady over two and a half touchdowns was a really solid bet. But what I think happened was the weather got in the way and a big deal there. And the Patriots, that was like their Super Bowl game. You know, the Patriots are decent enough to where a Super Bowl game they can get up for and be competitive in. I don't think the the Lions can do that on the road uh, in LA in this game here. So Stafford, right now, you can get for his passing touchdowns prop. Uh, you know, this is me here, Sleepy. Chris Dell giving a touchdown prop over. I like Stafford over two and a half touchdowns plus 105. So if anything, 
Maybe I'll take a, a unit or a unit and a half and I'll split it between co- completions at even money, uh, 23 and a half, and then touchdowns plus 105, either Caesars or DraftKings, which uh, Pinnacle and PointsBet both have this at minus 115. So take advantage of like 20, 20 points of big, like in your favor, so to speak, with the Stafford. But I'd be really surprised. This is a game where, you know, they could, they, they could want to win this game by 30, 40 points. He might not have to even throw much in the second half, but what he will do, I think, is get the completions and get the touchdowns. So those are my two favorite props uh, for this game for that. I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, if he throws four or five touchdowns in this game. That's how much I actually like Stafford. I'm in your completions and attempts and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I think they, they blow this team right out of the water. Let's jump over to Philadelphia. Let's jump over to the Raiders. Uh, this game should be interesting. Philadelphia, they're going to be plus three here on the road. A total of 49 in this game. Chris, I don't think anybody had the Raiders winning last week. Uh, Going into Denver, they put up 34 points in that game. Uh, I certainly did not. Uh, They shocked me once again in the Raiders, you know, right now, four and two. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play a Philadelphia Eagle. And, Chris, I want your stamp of approval on this one. Not sure if you agree with this one, though. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Devonta Smith over 57 and a half receiving yards. You know, when he's been a factor, Philadelphia has been a factor. And when he has not, Philadelphia has absolutely struggled. Now, the Raiders' pass defense, I don't want to go ahead and say it's terrible. I want to go ahead and say it's average. But I could see the Eagles really pushing the ball to Smith here, you know, just as much as possible. Last game, just two catches on four targets. As I mentioned, that's not going to get it done. And last time Philly won, no, that was against Carolina. He had nine targets in that game, seven catches for 77 yards. Philadelphia has to go ahead and they have to get him the ball. And he has big play capability, but Hurts recently hasn't been throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage or past the linebackers. I think that that changes for this one. I think they go after Devonta Smith. I think he could get this, you know, in two, three catches, one big catch. Um, this guy can go ahead and, and get us over this number, you know, right now at 57 and a half. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do that, Chris. That's the only play I really like in this one, which is surprising, taking a Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver. But that's what I'm going to do. I'm not sure if you like this one or not, but at least give me your feelings on that before you jump into what you got. No, I, I like it for Devontae Smith. I think you want to buy the dip with the Eagles in general. I mean, let's look at – this might be a, the best-case scenario in Week 7 where we have maybe the biggest overreaction is people people seeing what the Eagles did in a primetime spot against the Bucks in Week 6 on Thursday Night Football a week ago. Then we might have the biggest overreaction seeing what the Raiders did a team that the public seems to, re- to really want to root for at all, you know, at, at all times, uh, with the whole John Gruden controversy and him leaving, and you're going to see maybe an overreaction to how good the Raiders really are. Like, oh, they're motivated now; they're playing without Gruden. Well, may, you know, they're they're a halfway decent team to begin with, but I think I personally think that Philly's a live dog to win this game outright. And the main reason I think that, and this is to me, is one of the sneaky streaming defenses of the week is playing the Eagles' defense against the Raiders. The Raiders have, uh, in terms of their run blocking, they're ranked dead last in the league, but their pass blocking unit offensively on the line is ranked 22. So they're bottom 10 in pass blocking. The Eagles have a top 10 pass rush. They're rated number nine by PFF, PFF overall. So that's one of our best uh, pass rush net grades. That, that's a metric that we're working on is combining uh, grades on PFF and seeing which teams have the biggest advantage, whether it comes to pass rush versus rush defense, etc. Uh, so I do like that matchup, and I think the Eagles can get after Derek Carr in this game here. So uh, Devontae Smith, I think he'll have a bounce back game. I think Quez Watkins, we've seen now in multiple weeks, his average at the target has gone up to almost 20 yards, and then his air yard share has gone up in consecutive weeks to, to last week when it was at 37 percent of the air yards he led the team in receiving in that game uh there's no guarantee yet by the way that Dallas Goddard's gonna play I believe he's still on the COVID list unless I missed something in the last couple hours so uh keep your eyes peeled to that I think that either way you know Goddard might get his but I think he'll be if he winds up playing he's gonna be priced appropriately the books aren't gonna forget that Zach Ertz was traded away last week. So don't think you're you're sneaking one up on the books by playing Goddard over. I think he's going to be ranked higher in, in my fantasy rankings this week compared to in the past because he's the, the only tight end left, at least relevant right now. Uh, but Devontae Smith, man, like he ran around. I, I mentioned this with DJ Moore earlier. Devontae Smith's routes have gone up to 97% last week. So if you got a guy literally running every single route and every single drop back in an offense and they get a better matchup here, 
Uh, I, I think that Devontae Smith, could, he, he could cash his prop very early. He's been on my hit list since the beginning of the week. I'm kind of torn whether I want to play Devontae Smith on his receptions as opposed to his yards uh, because we have seen his, his air yards went, have gone down a little bit over the last couple of weeks. I think what they're trying to do is with Hurts struggling to throw the ball downfield, they're trying to get Devontae Smith uh, targets in shorter areas of the field to put the ball in his hands more consistently. So I would probably lean over on his receptions right now more than the yards, but I don't hate a play on the yards either. I would really keep an eye out uh, on Quez Watkins. It seems like he's like surpassed uh, Jalen Rager as the number one option or the, the number one option on this offense outside of uh, Smith when we're talking about their receivers. So uh, keep your eye on that. But until until we get final news on Dallas Goddard, uh, I don't think we're going to see any lines on Rager or Watkins. I don't see any on those guys at the moment. Uh, Sleepy, I'll have to throw this in there. I think people will be going to maybe play Miles Sanders over his rushing yards. I like his under. Uh, right now he's projected for like 55 yards. The line is at 64 and a half, opened at 65 and a half. I like it all the way down to 60. Uh, people, they're going to remember the public seeing the Island game against the Bucks. And what happened at the end of that game, Sleep, you, you, like, like you say all the time, you watch the Eagles just as much, if not more than anyone. Miles Sanders ripped off a couple big runs in the second half, but that was because the Buccaneers were up by a ton, and they were playing like r- real heavy like zone, co- zone coverage and sagging off the line. So if, if that was a competitive game, I don't think Miles Sanders would have gotten those rushing gains on the ground. So I'm more than happy to play to my play that overreaction in my favor. And this is a guy that's he's gone over 60 yards rushing one time all, all year. And that was in week one when they beat the Falcons by 30. And I don't see you know, even if I think the Eagles are a live dog in this one, I certainly don't think they're just gonna, you know, wall up the Raiders and, and win by double digits. So I think that's a pretty safe play to me. It's like Miles Sanders under 65 and a half. I play that all the way down to 61 and a half or even 60 and a half if I had to. Yeah, Sanders hasn't really materialized, you know, as much as some of the people thought. I thought he was going to be uh, heavily used, you know, coming into coming into the season. I read up here on, on Goddard, Chris, that uh, he was activated from the COVID-19 list, did not participate in practice uh, on Thursday. You know, Chris, I, I meant to say this too. Uh, not only was the Goddard, you know, kind of a, a factor within my Smith, but, you know, the fact that Ertz isn't there either. So now the playbook, I, I believe it's going to shrink up, especially if Goddard's not there. Uh, you know, your Quez Watkins. I did see a prop out there somewhere, Chris, with Quez Watkins. Uh, I don't know what book it's at, but there is there there is definitely one up. Uh, but look, I, I, the Quez Watkins could go over easy, uh, and I think Smith could go over easy, uh, you know, especially if Goddard's not, you know, not in this game. So uh, it sounds like you and I are kind of on the same page with that one. Uh, let's jump over to... Let me go ahead and talk a little bit about the Texans and the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals are going to be a a monster favorite in this one. 17.5, total 47.5. Chris, I'm going to go back to the play that I made. It was either last week or the week before uh, I cashed it. It was James Conner to go ahead and score a touchdown. Uh, You can get it again here at plus 130. Look, the Cardinals are in the red zone all the time. I mean, This team scores a lot of points, and I don't see why they're not going to score points against Houston. And look, if you could go ahead and you can get Connor and you could get Edmonds touches down in the red zone and, and leave Kyler Murray to, you know, not have to, to go and, and, and throw five touchdowns. Look, they might be up a ton of points in this game. And look, they're going to use their running backs as, as much as they possibly can. So, you know, Murray and those wide receiver course go ahead and stay healthy. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play it again because Connor is the guy that they're giving the ball to, you know, down in the red zone. You can get Edmonds at plus 120. Uh, I personally don't like that. I like Connor at plus 130. I cashed it before. I believe I'll cash it again. That's all I'm doing for that game. Uh, I, I do secretly hope that Brennan Cooks has a big game. Got him in my lineup for this particular week, but that's all I'm doing for that one, Chris. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100% on the Connor. Uh, I, I love that you can get plus 130. I mean, th- this these are the type of touchdown props that you want to play uh, because of the fact that connor has been seeing a workhorse role. Like, why is that? It's because the Arizona Cardinals have been winning all their games by blowouts. He even last week, 37 to 14 on the road against Cleveland. And you know, two weeks ago, Chase Edmonds got his shoulder banged up. So we've seen his numbers trend downwards. Like now we've seen in consecutive weeks, Chase Edmonds, I'm going to just real briefly go through the stats that have gone downward for multiple weeks down in a row, snaps down to 37%, rushing attempts down to 11%. That means Connor's getting 89% of the running back rush attempts, 
routes for Edmonds down to 38%. He's even losing work on long down and distance because he literally did not play in the second half last week. He opened up the game with a 40-yard run, very impressive, but they jumped out to a big lead, and they want to protect Edmonds. And and frankly, they're not going to need to use Edmonds being 17.5-point home favorites in this game. Like They're going to ride James Conner, and I like James Conner over his rushing yards. I like him over his rushing attempts, and I don't hate playing the touchdowns over. This is going to be one of those props where maybe, you know, Personally, for me, I never like to bet more than like two units on an individual player prop because the limits are relatively low. I try to be consistent across the board for most of my unit sizes in terms of my prop bets for each week. But this is a prop where I might want to take one and a half to two units and split it up between those three different props I just mentioned with the touchdown you said and with the rushing attempts and with the rushing yards over because Edmonds still listed as questionable this week. He's not 100%. Now, here's what I would do fantasy-wise. You know, I'll sneak in a little season-long fantasy buy-low situation. Let's say the Cardinals wind up blowing them out, blowing out the Texans this week like we all think they're going to do, uh, and Edmonds might not play that much. And I think a lot of people are going to get really frustrated with Edmonds on their team. They'll be like, oh, man, James Conner's taking over. I would look to buy Chase Edmonds coming off this game because the Cardinals are going to be in much more competitive game scripts going forward. They've they've been in a lot of blowouts. Their schedule is going to get harder, and that's when you're going to see Edmonds used to his full capacity, not just as a running back, like as a rusher, but in the receiving game where he know we know that's where he thrives. So if Edmonds has a down game, I'd absolutely look be looking to buy him low after this week. But in the meantime, I'm going to take advantage of the situation at hand, which is Edmonds is not 100. percent Connor is, and the Arizona Cardinals don't need to wear out Edmonds, arguably their most explosive running back in a game where they're almost favored by 20 at home. So that, that's the only place I can look for this game. And then don't forget either sleepy. Oh, by the way, what's the touchdown uh, prop line for uh, DeAndre Hopkins? Cause in a revenge game, like they might just force feed him a touchdown in this game. I believe I saw that on FanDuel, Chris, believe it or not, I think it was either like minus 125 or minus 150. It was up there and I was, I was actually quite yeah. surprised. Yeah. Minus 144 at pinnacle is the most, current line I'm I, I can't bet minus 144 on a, on a touchdown prop so I D, DFS wise you know maybe but I, I just don't know how much Arizona is going to need to pass so like you could literally see them just run out the clock with Connor in the second half that's why I mean honestly like I don't even hate a play again I mentioned last week this prop hit pretty easily uh we both liked it sleepy was Mark Ingram I think it was like over 10 and a half or 11 and a half rushing attempts and right now, I don't think the line's gone up that high. You can get minus 125 at Caesars, Mark Ingram over 10 and a half. I mean, the card, keep in mind, like the Texans wind up getting, getting the ball first in this game. I mean, like Ingram could get five carries on the first drive. And the Cardinals have one of the bottom tier run defenses in the league. Uh, but the Texans, like they just want to run the clock out on these games. So Mark Ingram has had, he's averaged 17 carries a game over the last two weeks. And if you take away the games against the Bills where they lost 40 to nothing and the Panthers when they lost 24 to nine, every other game he's had 14, 26, 16, and 18. So I do not uh, hate a play on Ingram over 10 and a half rushing attempts. I, I honestly would prefer to play over 11 and a half if I get plus money as opposed to playing minus 125 at 10 and a half. So that's the only other place I can look uh, for the Texans so far in this game. All right, Chris, let me tell on myself and then you tell me if I did something stupid. So going into last week, I was really low on Kenyon Drake. I'm just like, there's no way I'm keeping this guy on my roster. And you and I, we had talked about Ingram a little bit. So I was like, should I? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to drop Drake and I'm going to pick up Ingram. So I did that last week. And we saw Drake actually hit the board you know, for the first time all season long, basically. It seems like the, the one week that, and I, I, I think I started him once, but I drop him. And then they take Ingram. So is there anything positive that you can, you know, pull out of that? Or did I just make a, a, a clear mistake? No, I mean, it's, it, it's border. If you need, like, if you're desperate for a running back to start with all the bye weeks and all the injuries, I don't think Ingram is a terrible start. I mean, I believe, I mean, look, he had, two, he had two catches only for eight yards last week. But if you're, if you're getting Ingram with multiple catches in a game in a half PPR or full PPR scoring format, I mean, you're loving that, even though it's just two extra points. Those two extra points could go a long way at the end of the week. So uh, with Kenyon Drake, you know, he he scored, like he had, he had a really good game on very limited touches. But the fact is, is that if Jacobs gets hurt, 
they already shown in the past that they're going, they're probably going to go to Peyton Barber as the Jacobs replacement and Drake's going to stay in his role. And then the other thing you have to look at when it comes to the Raiders sleepy is that Jalen Richard's back on the field. Now uh, Jalen Richard uh, last week saw increases in his targets, targets per route run. And every time they were in a long down and distance situation, like basically uh, third or fourth down with, I believe more than seven yards to go, uh, Jalen Richard was on the field for 71% of those plays. So uh, when you're looking at a guy like Drake, where he's not really playing that many snaps, but he scores on a couple of touches, like I think that's when you want to sell high in a guy. So yeah, it sucks to see a guy you dropped go off like that, but the usage numbers aren't sticky for Drake to hang around. And I, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not even really tempted to pick him up unless you're in like a super deep bench type of format league with your roster size. It sounds like that was a week to sell him versus a week to drop him, but maybe I dropped him at the right time because had I held on to him, maybe somebody like Ingram who, you know, might be a guy that you, that everybody wants to buy, you know, maybe I already got him and, and maybe I, you know, I'm, maybe I'm way ahead, you know, of the curve here with that one. So uh, I don't feel bad with that. Glad we went ahead. Talked about that for a minute. Let's talk about our final game here, Chris. We got Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They'll be playing the Chicago Bears. Tampa, they're going to be laying a decent number here again. Uh, minus 12. Total of this one, 47 and a half. Chris, I'm going to give you two names. I don't have any picks in this one, but I'm going to give you two. If you say go ahead, all right, I'll do it. If you say leave him alone, I'll, all right, I won't do it. So I'm going to give you Mooney, and I'm going to give you Allen Robinson. Those are the two guys I'm looking at. I'm looking at playing overs for them. I think that. You probably know where I'm going and why I'm going here. Tampa Bay, they're not going to allow anybody to run. The secondary's banged up. I know I have fields to deal with. Not exactly, you know, uh, he's not setting the world on fire. But, look, I can only look at Mooney and Robinson for this game over the receiving yards. That's all I could do. What do you think? Um, I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense. Although, I'm looking at what the Bucks did last week against the Eagles and – the fact is, is that, yeah, we know the Bucks have a pass funnel defense, but they have a really good defensive line. And, and if, if the defensive line can get pressure on a young quarterback, he just might not be able to take advantage of that pass funnel defense in the secondary. And, and that's kind of where I'm a little hesitant to, to go play a lot of overs for the Bears. Um, honestly, like we gave out earlier, Justin Fields, uh, we gave out, I gave out his under, I believe it was like 227 and a half passing yards and it's been bet down all the way to 213 and a half on DraftKings. so really happy we got the best of that line that's one of the benefits of being a betting predators premium subscribers you get access to bets in real time as we make them uh so i'm really happy of the advantage we got on that line there with the with the big move maybe we can even look to middle that if it goes even lower than what it is now but uh, i struggle with fields uh because the bears have been really conservative with him and the Bucks, I think if the Bucks can, can just kind of dominate on the ground, Brady can throw a few touchdown passes. I, I think the only way that the Bears are really going to open things up is if, like, they get down by 35 points in the second half or something along those lines. I mean, even last week, Sleepy, in a game that the, the Bears lost by 10 points to the Packers, Fields was 16 for 27. He threw for 174 yards. I mean, even the first game he came in against the Browns, a similar type of defense in terms of really strong pass rush and defensive line, you know, mediocre at best secondary, you know, in that half that he came in, he was six for 20 for 68 yards. So I don't think Fields is there yet to take advantage of this type of matchup when the pass rush and defensive line play is going to be borderline elite uh, for the Buccaneers. So um, I wouldn't play under anymore for Fields passing yards, but um you know, I wouldn't play over probably no matter how low it gets unless it dipped under 200, which I doubt it does. But that's kind of where I am there. I'm really – Mooney's the only guy I'd play for DFS for the Bears. Uh, or Robinson maybe, but Mooney's coming in at a much cheaper price tag. I think you can get Mooney right now, uh, 4,600, projected for about eight targets in this game. So, yeah, you know, the line's low enough to where you could bet it, but I'm not liking what I'm seeing from this matchup here. And, and – I think it profiles very similar to how the Eagles offense operates. And you, you saw almost all their pass catchers go under against the Bucks last week. So I'm, I'm not betting any overs for Chicago uh, when it comes to their passing game in week seven. All right. Well, I'm glad I asked you that. So I, I definitely won't, I won't use those guys this week. 
uh, with at least with what you said there, your recommendations. But that'll wrap it up, guys. That's the podcast for this week. Rock solid. Uh, just a touch over an hour. Good stuff there from Chris. You guys got all our player props. Chris, I feel really confident uh, that, that you and I are probably in a groove right now. You know, with all the stats, with all the information, I think we feel pretty good right now uh, that we know what these teams are and, and who they are and what they've become and, you know, where they're end up, you know, probably where they're going to end up going, you know, when, as the season goes along. So I feel confident that a lot of the picks that we gave out here are going to end up cashing. Uh, you guys could always find more, you know, at thebettingpredators.com. You can find stuff on our Twitter at SleepyG underscore pregame at Mad Journalist. And you guys could always find us at pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NFL week number seven. Enjoy the games. <laughs>